Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Who Cares, What's the Point? The podcast about the mind for people who think. My name is Saab Chohal, your host and producer for the show. You can follow the show on Twitter or you can find us at, on the show notes at whocareswhatsthepoint.com. In this episode, I talk to Dr. Bertolt Talford Hansen, a postdoctoral researcher at Copenhagen University in Denmark in the Department of Political Science. In this interview, we talk about how Bertel came to be researching the link between transition from daylight savings time to standard time and its link to depression, and how he went about discovering this link and its possible implications for public mental health for all countries that undergo such a seasonal time shift. Join us for our conversation in a couple of moments from now. Okay, great. So maybe, Bertel, we can start off and you can tell me a bit about what inspired you to do this research project and get involved with this idea and topic. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, we kind of got into it at least I did from an odd angle because this group we were looking this the the same people that did this paper we were um, we were actually looking at terrorist attacks and mental disorders, uh, which is way more my field. I'm actually my research is involves conflict and terrorism, uh, and then we were looking at the the changes in uh, the rates of different psychiatric disorders following major terrorist attacks, specifically. Uh, the 9-11 attacks, actually, um, in Denmark. And not the attacks, obviously, were, were in the United States, but the changes in psychiatric episodes in uh, in Denmark. And then CERN, who is uh, who's a psychiatrist, um, uh, he suggested that we should look into uh, time transitions. And I was, uh, I was, I was a bit skeptical at, at first. Um, I think he got it. I think he got got the idea from his own clinical work and personal experiences with, I guess, winter winter depression. Um, yeah, so that was that was basically how we got into it. We just had the data, and we were like, he 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 had observed that sort of qualitatively that people would get way worse after after these time transitions to the winter, to winter time. So that's that's how we yeah that's how we got into it basically. Ah, so, so what were you skeptical about when uh, this suggestion was made? What, what, where did that come from? I think, looking back on it, I think it it was because, as a political scientist, at least maybe it's just me, but I think political scientists in general we tend to have this bias towards the political. So, like only political events, th- those are the events that matter, the big political things, like for example, nine eleven, a major event, and when somebody says, "Oh, the clock changes." And then I have in my I picture effects from these massive, uh, violent events that it, it seemed sort of, it it didn't it didn't seem like it would have the same effects. But when when you think about it, it it is something that have has a, it it has a profound physiological effect. Like you you have you're exposed to different uh, levels of of sunlight, which is which is what which which. which it's, it seems possible that that would have an effect, but it's just as a political scientist, you're not sort of geared to thinking like that. So this is, I'm curious about this. So I'll just carry on on this line for a, a couple of minutes because mm-hmm. my role is in disaster mental health. Um, that's yeah. my kind of oh. day job. Um, yeah. So you were interested in the effects of the 9-11 event on this removed population in Den- Denmark. 
And yeah. then um, it was suggested by one of your colleagues that actually perhaps in this data set, you could look at that impact of, you know, switching from daylight savings time back to a standard time and what effect that that has upon people's mental health. Were you looking at yeah, this as a, exactly. con- as a control factor to try to eliminate first? Is that, is that where this came from? Uh, there was part of it because we were concerned in the terrorist study uh, for a while that seasonal variation, right? Because some level, some uh, mental disorders vary seasonally, uh, especially depression has a seasonal component to it. So it goes up in the winter, just generally goes up in the winter, not necessarily connected to uh, the time transitions, but it just generally tends to increase as, uh, as the weather gets worse and it gets colder and it gets darker. So we were thinking about, I had been thinking, because I was doing all the statistics, uh, been thinking about seasonal corrections and how to implement that. Um, but it was, it was not, we were not concerned that this was in any, that the terrorist results were affected by, by the time transitions, more like general seasonality. Uh, but actually, uh, the, the paper on 9-11 is, is out um, yeah, I know that this this is a sort of different paper, but it's just it's just an interesting sort of comparison, I think. Yeah, sure. Uh, so your colleague mentioned it to me, so maybe we'll come back to that in uh, season two of the podcast in in a couple of months. That would be really interesting. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so if we stick to this paper for now, tell me a little bit about um, the setup for the study. Um, what is it that you were interested in investigating, and who did you look at, and how did you go about finding out that the answers? Yeah. So. We were interested in looking at the rates of uh, depression diagnoses or the, the, the diagnoses of unipolar depression, just uh, what you just call depression, basically, um, among Danish people and not just like a random sample of Danish people, but all Danish people, uh, basically, as long as there had been, as long as there's data, which is, which is, this is, there's a lot of data, but it, it, the, the data that we can use stretches back 18 years. So we have data from, 19, from 1995 to 2012. For every day, we have the amount of the number of people diagnosed with any mental disorder at any psychiatric institution in Denmark. Uh, so we have population data. And that's like uh, we have about 200,000 uh, depression diagnoses in that period. So we studied every single Danish person, basically. In 18 years, every day. Uh, luckily, we didn't have to collect the data. Somebody else, somebody, some poor people in the psychiatric services did that for us. Um, yeah, and then we just, well, I'm not sure how much I'll, I'll get into the statistics here, but you can basically think of it as we compared the, the rates bef- right before the week where, it, uh, where, where, we, where we changed the clocks to... Uh, to summertime or wintertime, we changed the rates. We compared, sorry, we compared the the rates of uh, depression diagnosis the week before the time time change with the week after, and we see this eleven percent increase in the first week right after. And that is, and then we we control for for standard seasonal variation and, and various various things. But so yeah, those, those were basically the two. The two things we had, a long time series of depression and then these uh, interventions of time changes. So let me just get a couple of things clear. So this is when the, the clocks were going back to standard time so that the days mm-hmm. were becoming shorter. So that the darkness yes. happened earlier in the day, right? Exactly. Right. Well, 
Yeah. So so the, so what what the transitions to to standard time? They they move uh, light. They they make they sort of yeah they they make you wake up later so that it it tends to be uh, light when you wake up and dark when you come home from work. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm really curious about this um, this register, and I, I think I found out about this a few years ago. I, I happened to be part of a um, a trip where we were mm-hmm. interacting a lot with um, a Danish group who uh, who yeah. were on this trip with us, and they told us about this uh, essentially this social contract that you have yeah. in your in your com- yeah. in your country, where in exchange for various you know services. Uh, uh, and privileges, really, uh, that's uh, afforded to every citizen. There's a contract mm. in which that data, uh, where there's a contact with a service such as the health service, is available for use uh, to yes. do these big research projects. Is that is that right? Yeah, I don't know how explicit the social contract is in the minds of like the everyday Dane, but there is, there is definitely the, a huge registration of everything. Basically, and, and particular these these psychiatric things they're not available in most countries, as you, as you probably know. Uh, I think we have we have similar registers in Sweden and perhaps Norway and maybe Switzerland, but I think that's it. Uh, but but yeah, the the Danish statistics they register everything. Yeah, we also have the level of uh, like how much uh, psycho what's it called psychopharmaca, how much uh, medication you buy every day for every person. In Denmark. Wow, that's a serious database. That is a very it's it's kind of scary in a way because it's really sort of Big Brotherish. Uh, obviously, the data is anonymized, so I can't just go down and oh, my neighbor he he's he seems to be depressed this week. Uh, I it's it doesn't it doesn't work like that, but but the data is is, is very very detailed. Mm. So standing inside. Connect, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just about to say you can connect it to all sorts of other data that's also like income data and all kinds of all kinds of variable you you have about people. So this becomes a very powerful data set to understand how um, these transitions, whatever, any transition mm-hmm. that a society goes through is impacting upon people's behavior and their health outcomes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you've got this transition from summertime to uh, standard time, and you've got this, you know, almost 200,000 diagnoses that you, you looked at in this um, central research register over the, did you say 16 years? 18 years. 18 years, right? Yeah. Um, so what impact would that have on um, a person's perhaps psychological sense of, you know, the what's going to happen next in that season compared to say the impact upon the physiological changes in their circadian rhythms how how did you be how were you able to kind of tease that apart it's it's difficult to tease apart because they, the both effects uh, occur simultaneously so so we can't one thing that is if if it were purely the light affecting you physiologically we would also if i think we would also expect an effect uh, the other way, uh, when the clocks change back to summertime, right? because their light would change from um, you'd have less, you'd have more light in the afternoon suddenly and less light in the morning uh, on that uh, right after that change than you had the week before. But we don't see any change in um, at the at the transition to summertime. So I think that sort of that indicates that it, to me at least, that it's 
probably more has has at least something to do with the sort of psychological omen or sort of signal, the symbol, symbolic thing that people when when they experience that they're told, oh, now you gotta uh, change the clocks. Now it's winter time or standard time. Um, that's sort of a symbol for people. Boom, winter is coming. Right. Uh, to quote Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> uh, we consider calling the paper that, but uh, apparently you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. You should be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. So it's it's sort of it could be seen as a symbol for people that winter winter is on its way. The darkness is coming. You better get. You better get depressed, basically. Okay, so if you if you were expecting it to be a uh, circadian rhythm effect, then you'd expect to get that on the daylight ch- change when you go into summer outside of winter, right? Yes, you'd expect yeah. a similar, or well, ba- ba- basically the reverse thing to happen. Yeah, at summertime because it's exactly the reverse phenomenon. So, did you were you able to? Because you talked about unipolar depression, so the classic mm-hmm. depressive episode. Did you look yeah. at bipolar disorder as well? Yes. And there is no change for a bipolar disorder. Ah. We looked at those two, and there's no change for bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at the table right now. Yeah, it's it's minuscule. There's, nothing happens to bipolar disorder. Okay, so what's your explanation uh, for, for that? Um, we're not sure. Um Again, I, I'm personally not a like, psychiatrist. I don't know if that's that's going to be in the podcast. But um, uh, I think at least certain on and the psychiatric literature seem to expect that this this would be more a unipolar depressive effect and not so much uh, bipolar depression. Sure. But I'm actually maybe I don't know if if we can get back to you on that. But I'm actually not completely sure. No, that's okay. So I'm interested in this idea as well that perhaps. Um, the curve of uh, distress has somehow been shifted to the right, it seemed to me when I was reading the paper, such that um, those people who met threshold for having a diagnosis of a depressive disorder, there was a greater number of people who had been shifted into that part of the bell curve, if you see what I mean. Um, Is that what your understanding was? Was there an increase in sort of subclinical threshold uh, negative mood as well is that something that you picked up on we can't tell that because we can we can as you say we can only tell the people we can, we can only observe the people that are being pushed across the threshold into uh the level of depression required for a psychiatric diagnosis at a psychiatric uh, either a hospital yeah mostly hospitals actually so this is this like these are very very severe cases we only observe the very severe cases, but I think it, it would be reasonable, reasonable to expect that this would affect people across the range of uh, proneness or inclination towards depression, so that the people who were not so close to the threshold of having an actual psychiatric di- diagnosis, they were also pushed up or pushed more in a depressive direction. I think that would be reasonable to expect. So, um, so what... We think we, we can only see the tip of the iceberg of this effect. Really. Mm. It would be an interesting hypothesis, uh, hypothesis to explore, I think, yeah. um, to see yeah. if that's actually what happened. You, you mentioned there was an 11% increase in the, the number of people who were diagnosed getting above that threshold for a formal disorder. How long did that continue for during the winter? Was that kind of across the whole winter or did that dissipate as you went into the winter? 
Yeah, it dissipated over like uh, after 10 weeks or so, it's almost completely gone. But it goes down fairly fast. So um, the effect, the increase decays uh, by 25% each each week. So basically you have an 11% increase in the first week and then you have uh, 75% of that 11% increase in the next week and then you have 75% of, of of those 75% of those 11% in the in the following week. So it it uh, it uh, decays by 25% each week the change. I that's that's I guess that's kind of complicated uh but uh, it it sort of it decays fairly rapidly and after 10 weeks or so the effect or the the difference from the expected level of uh of depression rates is is basically zero okay. after 10 weeks. I think I've got the picture in my head of, you know, you've got this big increase that happens and then suddenly that, that drops off. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you think explains that? Why do you think it drops off? I think it's, it's um, there, there's a statistical explanation, which is basically that, that after a while, there are lots of other, lots of other stuff starts affecting uh, people's um, people's moods, perhaps. So it's difficult to pick up the the effect a long period after you have to model it very specifically, and then different concerns of data fishing and over overfitting come in. But it's probably also just because that the particular effect of this transition just I mean it it would be weird to expect that just to last on on and on. Uh, other things start affecting people's lives and they forget about the time transition. So it kind, of, it kind of fades into the everything else, you know, and, and possibly yeah. a little bit of habituation. It's like, okay, so this is where we're at right now and I do these things in the wintertime and, and, and kind of life goes on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So also, it's also because uh, after the transition, the predicted sort of what we compare it to increases as well, right? Because, because uh the general winter time also increases depression level. Right. So any extra effect or any persistence gets gets sort of lost in the general um, general increase of uh, of depression. So it could be more, but it's 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 hard to distinguish when as winter sort of gets closer. It's hard to distinguish those two effects. So the base rate we, actually increases. So the the yeah. decay rate re- meets that base rate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So what do you think the implications then are for for treatment or for the general population as a result of your findings? Who should care about this? You know, what what's the point of this research? Yeah. I think anyone who lives in a country that implements uh daylight savings time um because it, it yeah, because um you should I think awareness is the biggest uh impact or biggest sort of relevance of this of this study, that people should be more aware right after these transitions to winter time, they should be have an increased awareness of their depression symptoms, um, and they should perhaps try to uh, try to try to preempt having an actual uh, depressive episode. So they should they should get out in the morning, perhaps get get more sunlight. Instead, the, one of the problems with this is that you um, that when the time when when you get up an hour uh, later, it's there's more light in the morning and there's less light in the afternoon. But in the morning, where people could benefit from this light, they're usually on the way to work or in the shower or whatever, so they can't really benefit from that that light. And when they come home now, after the time transition, it's dark. Where they used to be able to have an hour of 
of light to to do whatever exercise and mm. outdoors and stuff like that. So they think people need to get out and do it in the morning um, where, where it's light and basically be aware of, increasingly aware of, of uh, symptoms of depression, both in themselves and in their, the people close to them. Mm. Have your health professionals in Denmark picked up on this research and are they talking about what it is that they might do or their, their, um, their scanning and surveillance of the um, incidents and uh, occurrence of depressive symptoms in their patients? I don't know if the health professions are have taken it up. I know that it has gotten a lot of, of uh, media coverage both in, uh, in Denmark and um, in internationally uh, so I presumably yes but I haven't uh, I haven't got any concrete evidence of people actually of doctors being more aware it's it's hard to measure at least right now um, but but there it's been in we have a list of, of Danish newspapers and it's basically all of them so doctors are, are bound to know I guess so yeah so the, perhaps the knowledge is out there but they haven't quite figured out the implications as to what it is that they should be doing differently yeah, yeah. I guess that's that could be great. Has has the government um does, do the government in uh Denmark have any programs of public education of, you know, watch out if you have a history of depressive illness, then take extra care of yourself when it's um the change from summer time to uh standard time? Do do they have anything like that? Um I I'm I got I think I got a pass on that. I actually don't know. Um, I could find out, uh, but I'm. I don't think I know. That. I would. I would imagine they have, but I'm. I'm reluctant to answer because I'm not sure that uh, that I know actually. You know, because I was thinking, if I was I was working in public mental health, I'd certainly be thinking about if this is an eleven percent increase um, yeah. that we need to prepare for. Then perhaps you know, a couple of weeks before uh, that time-saving change is made, I'd be putting out um, reminders for people around, well, what is it that you're going to do to prepare to keep yourself well and out of yeah, the doctor's yeah. surgery in that time? Um, I know there are general campaigns about uh, preventing winter depression and and hopefully they will pick up this time transition-specific change because it seems, because the effect, or at least the, the, the change is very, very large. This is this happens to a lot of people. So, um, so I, I don't I don't know if they've taken it up yet, but there are general campaigns uh, that the the health um, ministry of health does. I don't know that they do general campaigns, uh, but I don't think they've taken this up yet. Hopefully, they will. hope you enjoyed the ninth show in this first season you can find the abstract and link to the paper and a couple of notes that uh, Bertel sent along just after the show finished in the show notes to the show notes to this podcast or if you come to the website don't forget you can follow the show on twitter at wcwtp or me your host and producer Saab Johal at Saab S-A-R-B I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's show. Please send me feedback through any channel, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or through email at contact at whocareswhatsthepoint.com. It would be great to hear from you. Until next week, join us again 
for. Who cares? What's the point?